Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Shoe. My co-host today is Jay. Hello. Welcome back. Today's topic, Harley Quinn Season 1, the series based on the character of the same name created by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. This is the second animated series that we've gotten out of DC Universe, isn't it? The first one being Young Justice Outsiders. Yeah. That being a continuation, but this is the first original property. Yeah, and uh, Young Justice, we've already spoken about, about how much we enjoyed that series and how great it was, but it is continuing from an already established formula. This... It's completely its own thing, a completely different tone than we're used to. Not a kid show. Different tone that we used to, I would go as far as saying, from any animation we've had from DC. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I watched the first episode, and then at the end, I honestly didn't know if I liked it or not. I found it really confronting, and I get the going for an R-rated animated series. And, you know, we've had a lot of, PG-13 animated movies from DC, but we're talking a movie that you could put alongside, for the most part, Batman the Animated Series, Justice League, but they'll have one or two swear words. Yeah. Harley Quinn is so much more than that. So I really, I was on the fence. I'm like, I don't know if I like it. And I had to go back and watch the first episode a second time just to get a better feel for it. And then worked my way through the whole series. But it's the first time I've watched anything from DC and just not known how to feel about it. And have to experience the whole thing again. Yeah, I think I'm lucky. I caught online like a introduction teaser kind of thing with uh, quick fire interviews, like a two and a half minute thing with uh, Kaylee Cuoco and a bunch of the other voice actors. And I'm explaining the kind of show they wanted to go with with some clips. And I think that adequately prepared me. So I did have an idea going in, but still though, like it was still quite confronting. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to say it now. I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the show. I stopped tiptoeing around it. I really like it, but initially I'm, like, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, the part that really shocked me was not the swearing of which they square constantly. It was the literal bone-jutting violence when someone gets smashed in the legs or something and blood spurts, I'm like, oh, that's the level we're going for, huh? Okay. <laughs> but um, it works. It works with the tone of the show uh, and it works with the over-the-top ridiculousness that they're actually aiming for. And I really like the setup. The series follows Harley Quinn's adventures after she breaks up with the Joker and receiving help from Poison Ivy, Clayface, Dr. Psycho, King Shark and Cyborgman in her plans to become a member of the Legion of Doom. That's essentially the whole season. Yep. That's what's happening. But then along the way, there's many uh, side adventures. Yeah. But the cast is absolutely incredible. And you've nailed her name once already. How do you pronounce it? Kaylee Kuoko. Kuoko. Um, yeah. Whenever Harley Quinn is talking, for me, it's Penny from Big Bang Theory. Like She's gone to no real lengths to change her voice, at least as far as I'm concerned. It sounds just like her. And if that's what they were going for, we want people to recognize the voice. Let's go for Penny from Big Bang Theory. They've nailed it. Yeah, because the previous Big Bang Theory actress who played Harley Quinn was for the Batman Harley Quinn movie. Which I really enjoyed. Um, 
which the name of the actress is escaping me. I think it's uh, Michelle Roche. Roche. Yep. Uh, but she was doing like a very like yellow, yelly, like uh, constantly kind of what on. I mean, that was a bad impression. No, yeah, yeah, you're going for. I think she, she sounded more Tara strong though in the Batman and Harlequin movie. Yeah. This Uh, time around, it's as if they've gone to the actress. We just want you to sound like you. Yeah. And I found that, uh, the way Kaylee Cuoco was doing the voice, there was more of an energetic and, just like a, like what what is happening? Like there's the underlying anger and all that sort of stuff, but still girly. Whereas I just got kind of um, over the top from Melissa Roche. So I, I I do prefer what Kaylee Cuoco did, and it and because I guess she's speaking more in her natural timbre, it was more even and consistent throughout the show. Uh, it is. It, it is. allowed her somewhere to go because she was starting more from a neutral. So if she needed to get louder, she could get louder. Whereas Melissa Roche was already loud, so she couldn't get any louder when situations got more tense. This show absolutely nails the relationship between Harlequin and Poison Ivy. Yeah. It's the best that I've seen outside of the comics. We've got Lake Bell voicing Poison Ivy. I know her from Boston Legal. <laughs> she used to be on that show. Uh, yeah, she is great as Ivy. And their relationship, the portrayal, is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, they're just really good friends. Uh, one trying to, look, trying to look out for each other. And, you know, they get somewhat self-involved at times and ignore the other one, which is normal. But, yeah, it's there's nothing sexual, unlike some fanfic we'll have you uh, read into. It's just, they're friends. She's coming out of a bad breakup. Poison Ivy's like, oh God, like, how can you not see how ridiculous you're being over this this guy? Which, of course, is the Joker. And, you know, she's got her own... But she's, she's so insulated and personal and, like, herself. She doesn't open up very often. So her close relationship with Harley is super important to her. But she's also the steadying influence that Harley needs. Like I said, perfect. Oh, they absolutely nail it. You're saying that there's nothing sexual going on there. I recently watched Superman Red Sun. That movie, it established that Wonder Woman is in fact a lesbian. <laughs> Superman is coming on to her and she makes a point of saying, I'm from an island full of women. Work it out. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly obvious. Batman. A returning Batman, Dietrich Bader. Wow, the hammers of justice return. Yeah. From Batman, brave and the bold, very kid-friendly, Silver Age comic book adventures from that to this. Holy crap. This is him sounding like his Batman. Different portrayal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cold. (laughs) Like, Commissioner Gordon played... Phenomenally by Christopher Maloney. Oh, just I, stressed out yes. and looking for someone to help him out. And Batman's like, you're a colleague, nothing more. <laughs> I mean, clearly got a caffeine addiction. Yeah. I um, I would love a spin-off for Commissioner Gordon, this version of the character. You know, the closest we've come, I'd say, is in the, what is it, Tiny Titans comics or the old Teen Titans Go cartoons where... They show a different side of Commissioner Gordon there where he's more of a goofball. Yeah. And even though this is like he's an 
overworked caffeine addict. This portrayal of Gordon is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and, and he you steals don't see... the show every time. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, you actually get a really good episode with him. Um, episode six, you're a damn good cop, Jim Gordon, which is almost like is predominantly Jim Gordon with a piece of clay face. Oh yeah, where he like befriends him. You know, I've just noticed I mentioned Wonder Woman from Superman Red Sun. It's the same actress in this show playing the character. It's Vanessa Marshall. Ah, cool. I like to see some consistency across the series. Even though this is very much its own thing and not connected to anything else, which I think actually benefits this show. Yeah. Because, again, you've got the R rating. It's violent, the bad language. But then you can still have the Justice League turn up, have them be the butt of a joke, but it works. And as a fan of DC, you don't feel offended by these jokes. Yeah. Like, How dare you treat Superman this way? Yeah. You're just along, along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, Clayface, portrayed by Alan Tudyk, who has actually multiple duties on this series, including the Joker. That's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. He does a very good Joker. And not just Joker, he's also Calendar Man. Yeah. So he's got three roles. Yeah, Tudyk. He's fantastic in this. And it's his, I believe, third DC show. First one being Powerless, that yeah. failed sitcom, Doom Patrol, and now Harley Quinn. Yeah, and you know, Alan Tudyk's well known for great uh voice work from iRobot, which he also did uh, the mocap for back in the day. Um uh K2SO of course from Rogue One, um Turbo from uh, Wreck-It Ralph. He was also the chicken in Moana. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> He's got range. Yeah. But yeah, and you get Joker, who's his Joker is like sadistic and ridiculous and over the top and like really arrogant. It's a great Joker. Yeah. Uh, really. Then, <laughs> we're getting spoiled for Jokers at the moment. We are. And then his clay face is the thespian who's over oh, the top and lost in brilliant. the art. And you know, like, we knew that Tudyk had range and he's showing us in, well, in all his performances in this show, what the different places that he's going to with Clayface. Yeah. Very dramatic. He's over the top. And it's just, yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah. He's stepping on like other villains' lines. <laughs> we need to talk about his powerless co-star though, Ron Funches. He is brilliant as King Shark. Definitely yeah. one of the highlights. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. He's just... It's not the voice, it's ne not in any century is this the voice you would think of in your head for King Shark and the personality, but it fits so perfectly. Well, he sounds so innocent, a bit of a goofball, because it's essentially Funches using his speaking voice. Yeah. But then he'll play innocent, and then you'll have a scene where he'll bite a guy in half or he'll eat somebody. And just that contrast, it's just hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it works really well. Uh Tony Hale, the C-word spewing Dr. Oh, Psycho. Wow. Yeah, and not only do they do that joke, they go back to it a few times. Yeah. Wow, like, we're going there, are we? Yeah, um, and the fact that everyone, including other villains, are like, whoa, way yeah. too far. And the fact that he's talking about Wonder Woman. Yeah. Of all people. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that, yeah, like, he's clearly crossed the line. Yeah. Like, some of the worst supervillains in Gotham, they're like, whoa, yeah. you've, crossed, you've crossed the line. Yeah, and even Wonder Woman, she doesn't even beat him up. She's like, we're done here. 
I'm not working with this guy. But Tony Hale, this is not his first DC animated appearance. He was Joker in Batman Ninja. Oh, wow. Which I thought was an odd choice when they announced it. You watch the movie, and he's great. Yeah. He, he suits it really well. Because it was, it was hard for me going into Batman Ninja initially, because I'm just thinking Buster, Arrested Development. <laughs> but yeah, he's great as Dr. Psycho, and he also voices Felix Faust. So a couple of the actors here pulled double juice. Yeah, um, but yeah, really well done. Um, you have J.B. Smooth as uh, Poison Ivy's housemate, Frank the Plant. Great name. <laughs> you know, I really like J.B. Smooth. I can't remember where I first saw him, but I watched him in something years ago and always liked him. It would have been a sitcom. And then he exploded for me with Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> he is so good on that show. And the other show would have been like some okay sitcom years ago. And he's since popped up here, there, and everywhere. But it's another guy. It's like if, you, if you've if got animation, you're hiring J.B. Smoove, you want him to sound like J.B. Smoove, and yeah. that's what we get here. Yeah. You yeah. close your eyes, and you just, all you hear is the actor. Yeah, and he's... He's great in this. Yeah, really, really great character. Uh, and <laughs> the one that kept stealing the show for me was Matt Oberg as Kite Man. Oh, Kite Man, <laughs> Is Kite Man a Tom King creation? Because I know we no. used him prominently in his Batman one. But he, okay, so he's a character. A, he's like predates. an old school Batman character. Right, that, okay. Of course, with the ridiculousness of him. Well, maybe no King one ever just uses. made him popular again. Yeah. Because I, I think it's because of King's work that we're getting him in this show. And yeah. for him to be a legitimate love interest for Ivy, she's initially embarrassed, but then she, she owns it. And then, yeah, I just love the fact that, see, all these characters are coming together and they're sharing adventures. But then often they will separate. Primarily it is Harley and Ivy, but they'll go and have their own subplots. Yeah. And, and it just makes it feel like a fuller story. It's not just sort of like, let's just watch this, you know, decent animation or cartoon for half an hour. There's a lot going on. It's so layered. Yeah. And you get character development from all these characters over the course of the season. Like Kite Man goes from that really annoying first appearance of like, Kite Man. Kite Man. Did Love the it. wind just say kite man? <laughs> like, like over yeah. the top, like clearly uh, portraying confidence he doesn't actually feel to like legitimately just being like a great guy for poison ivy. And, yeah, like, that's the, the, a legit good couple. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're really good together. You know, I've made reference to the R rating a few times already. The official rating on the show it's TVMA which that's what like fifteen and over, so it's yeah. not quite an eighteen. And the reason why it's got that rating. It is for bloody graphic images, sexual content and dialogue, pervasive language and brutal violence. That's, I mean, that sums up the show. Yeah. If you know, if someone was to ask, what's Harley Quinn like, the animated series, I'd just read the rating. Yeah, absolutely. It paints a vivid picture of what this show actually is. Varying costumes for Harley in this. Uh, we get to see the classic Jester costume. Yeah. And then it's more of a new 52-friendly costume for the most part, isn't it? Yeah, what they had at towards the end and what they've continued through. It shows the colour stuff. The colour tips in her hair. Yeah, well. the roller derby um, idea for, from the Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor run. Those two, like, you know, I mentioned the creators of the character, Paul Dini, Bruce Tim at the beginning, but this show, it's for me like visually the characters it exists because of their their run in the comics. Yeah. It is that version of the characters. It's not Harley from Batman the animated series, and I'm talking about characters like 
Cy Borgman, yeah. who is voiced by Jason Alexander, yeah. who is brilliant in this. But that is a character lifted directly from their run. You've got the beaver. You know, so all yeah. these elements and the beaver pops up in the Birds of Prey live action movie as well. Yeah. So those two have made such an impression, like a big impact on Harley Quinn as a character. And this show, again, it's as if it's their show. That's what it feels like. Their yeah. DNA is throughout this whole series. Yeah, um, especially with the... It's Harley on her own with her own crew. There's Deadpool-ish elements to it, which is something that they introduce to the character rather than the, her trying to be competent and striking out on her own as a legit threat, which is what we had with Harley Quinn before now. More out of the Paul Dini, Bruce Tim mold. This is embracing the, the, the craziness and the wackiness of not just the world in general, but Harley Quinn specifically. You know, what we're not, you're just saying that what I really like, I mentioned the Birds of Prey movie. I don't do the full title. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. The one with Birds of, Harley Quinn's in it. That's, that's a movie told from the perspective of Harley Quinn, which works. What I really like about this animated series, it's you're seeing everything from her perspective. Yeah. So when everything, you know, when things are a little bit, off and maybe you know like characters like batman is presented in a certain way if you to take a step back and you just think oh actually everything we're seeing here is really through harley's eyes yeah it really like i don't know it just gives it really sells the show and then with it being you know more violent and the bad language than we've had previously and other interpretations the fact it's from her perspective is a lot easier to go along with like if this if tonally this was just an episode of batman the animated series you'd be like what the hell is going on yeah but it's very much it's got its own identity and it's from her point of view yeah like like what can only be her impression of bane played by james O'Dane. dame you know what i think was bane in the second episode he, he was he first appeared in the second yeah i think it was yeah bane was in the second episode and as I'm hearing him, it's like, oh, they're doing Tom Hardy. And again, I did struggle with that first episode. And just the Tom Hardy voice for Bane, I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling pulled in. Like yeah. They've got me because this is just genius. Taking something that so many people didn't like. Your biggest Tom Hardy diehard fans are not necessarily on board with his Bane voice. But you play in here for laughs perfect yeah and his whole like uh spoiled like 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 a baby tantrum throwing method of committing crimes of someone like hurts him or calls him a name he's like oh bro you are <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's it's genius like whoever came up with that brilliant yeah uh and again played by james o domain don't a domian i don't know how to pronounce that surname but he is phenomenal, whoever he is. Please give us more. What about um, Raoul Coley playing Scarecrow? So he's very London, Cockney, and he's the... They don't quite have him as a werewolf, but he's the tech guy from the iZombie TV series. Yeah. He's uh, that character. So I, I know in the comics he turned into a werewolf, didn't he? They didn't quite do that. Yeah, yeah, they kept it as just zombies uh, with mild references to the other supernatural stuff from the comics. But he's great. He's got a really good 
voice quality, um, especially with Scarecrow, who's supposed to be, you know, like a, bi a chemist slash psychiatrist, uh, which they should probably use more because as a psychiatrist, as is Harley Quinn, he might be a really interesting foil for her uh, once they move her past the whole Joker problem. But it is interesting. Um, it works because he's, he's like... The cool guy in the Legion of Doom, like, oh, hey, have you heard about what's going on? <laughs> um, with Bane, like, in the background and everyone responding and Joker getting angry because Scarecrow's relaying the latest, like, win for Harley. I mean, we gave the spoiler warning. It doesn't end well for Scarecrow. No. But for as long as we had him, very entertaining. You know, I would talk about before how they've clearly gone for certain actors because they want their voice in the show. Yeah. Wanda Sykes. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Wanda Sykes as Queen of Fables. Yeah. She is a great villain in this. Yeah, and legitimately terrifying. Like, uh, the character is able to pull from a, a storybook of fables any character she wants, but they're all twisted. Like, the big bad wolf tearing through a picnic and, like, rabid, uh, like blood everywhere. And she's not to be messed with. Even, like, the gingerbread man's a psycho. <laughs> yeah. Were you surprised at the casting of Jacob Tremblay as Damien Wayne Robin? That's a big up-and-coming name to have in a Harlequin animated series, I thought. But he was the perfect Damien. Oh, he was great. Like, he like, was really good. And we got him quite a few times as well. I really liked him in this. Yeah, and because being young enough, like, you know, usually when they cast for a, a, a young male character, like preteen, you get a woman because guy, adult male actors' voices are too deep. So, But they've actually gotten a kid, which means they can only use him as long as he's still a kid. Uh, but it is, his voice is ac accurate. Like, he's doing the sweet thing on talk shows, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Robin, doing the PR thing. But when he's like a, a spoiled brat, he sounds exactly like Damien does in my head. You know, Superman Red Sun voicing young Clark Kent? Tara Strong. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. She does a good young Clark Kent. Yeah. And that's just typical. Like, Bart Simpson has always He's been... a woman. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised. I don't think Tara Strong pops up in this show. Although I'm sure she must do some additional voices somewhere, you'd think. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of... She's a go-to for Warner Brothers. We've got a couple of actors in here playing themselves. Yeah, Frankie Muniz. Frankie Muniz, and we've also got Howie, is it Howie Mandel? Yeah. He's in it as well, playing himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who's in the US, is a celebrity chef, as I'm sure our US listeners will know. And he did that movie that he used to like as a kid, Little Monsters, with Fred Savage. Did you ever yeah. see that? Yeah. He was the monster under the bed? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I thought I was the only one that had seen that movie. No, I remember the cartoon and the toy line. Oh, really? Well, that... Okay, that's another podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, what else? Oh, uh, Riddler. Jim Rash. Who, Jim Rash is good. Yeah. The Dean from Community. Yeah. For and me, he will always be known as that. Even even the way they animate him, you can see the Jim Rash. They've got his movements. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They've got a character from Batman 66, Maxi Zeus, yeah. voiced by Will Sasso. Yeah, and he's playing, like, the sleazy... <laughs> self-help book selling like oh he's he it's such a great use of the character because of course Zeus from mythology is a womanizing player 
but he's playing him as yeah, like an entitled rich douchebag. And it's so, so accurate. Honestly, I'm still, even though I've watched the whole season, just blown away by how deep they've gone. Like, such a big deep dive with the characters. Yeah. Like, Maxi Seuss, they did some great episodes on the original Batman animated series from the 90s. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he did appear there, didn't he? But they did him serious and in a really tragic way. But because, you know, in that, they had portrayed him as he actually believed he was Zeus. Like, it was a mental break from uh, stress. Whereas this is, he's just a, a womanizing sleazebag. When they first announced this show, they're doing a Harley Quinn animated series. And they put, like, they put a promo picture out there. And I think it was illustrated by Harley Quinn. And it was her in a bar. All the characters were there. So even then, I got the impression it was going to be like a wider DC universe. Nothing compared to what we get in this show. Yeah. Like, it's such a deep, rich show. Like, the characters, it's just, it's amazing. And this has been picked up for a second season. Which we're going to get fairly quickly as well. Yeah, like, it's... The time frame between the season one finale and the season two premiere, six weeks. Yeah, which... I mean, animated shows take a long time, up to uh, anywhere between 18 months to two years to animate. So they must have just, off the bat, like, two seasons, go. A lot of seasons would go for, I'd say, between 22 and 26 series for animation. There's 13 per series for for Harlequin. So whether, as they were making the first season, they decided to split it in two. But we definitely get a beginning a middle and an end with with the season because when we get to the season finale it's Harley having her final showdown with the Joker because she's going back and forth throughout the season like you know do I want to go back to Joker and then she cuts ties and then she wants to be taken serious within her own rights so and she wants to join the Legion of Doom she gets that she loses her friends so it's about self-discovery and in the end she realizes what's important are her family which in this case are her friends, and then she has the big showdown with Joker. So I felt like we had a, a good arc, yeah, to start to finish. Although that, like, at the end there with Poison Ivy, did not see that coming. Wow, we should probably talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did like, not see that coming either. No, like she, Poison Ivy takes this, this stuff that Scarecrow's uh, used, manufactured out of her to grow to like the attack of the 50 foot woman style but she's probably more like the 100 foot woman and starts kicking the crap out of the evil trees and other various villains and you're like just when it's all looks all good everything's all fine joker harpoon through the heart yeah it's it's brutal and he you know he got the last laugh he he took something something from her but you know she's okay she must be. She'll right? come back. If you look like comics recently, what was it? Heroes in Crisis, the Tom King miniseries, and Poison Ivy died. And then they had a six issue miniseries that's just wrapped where it's Harlequin and Poison Ivy. Yeah. Um, so with she a, can come back. She's a meta human. Yeah. Uh, and with a plant DNA, like maybe her organs aren't as necessary as they would be in a regular person. But it was still. I really had a left field. I'm like, Where the, what the? I thought we were going to have a happy ending. It still has a genuine impact. Even we'll be saying that, ah, oh, we've seen it before. She'll be fine. We'll know she'll be fine. At that moment in time, season one ends, 
She is dead. Yeah, gut punch. Yeah, it was a great way to end the series. Yeah. So if you was to rate this season out of five. Oh, you know, I enjoyed this so much. Uh, the voice acting, the unique takes on the characters, especially like Clayface, Bane, and Kaiman. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I really enjoyed this series. And I'm going to come in at a four as well. Like I, I had so much fun with this. I remember when it was first announced. That I thought, oh, that could be interesting. But not being overly excited. And then, again, that first episode did set me back a little bit. But then watching the whole season, yeah, I, it's really, really good. And I still know so many people that have not watched it or they've just tried the first couple of episodes. You need to stick with it. And this is perfect for a fan of DC maybe over the age of 15 i don't know yeah what the yeah. age restriction should be but it is definitely not for kids this is an adult cartoon yeah which is probably its biggest problem because up until now with the dc streaming service stuff outside the us you've gotten titans through netflix you've had uh here in australia on foxtel on through fox 8 we so got fox 8 has had most you know, Doom Patrol, Did they get Pennyworth. Swamp Thing as well. Swamp Thing. Yeah, so that seems to be one of the big go-to places. Yeah. I just don't know if you would put an animated show of this kind. This is more like an adult swim. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, that would be a good fit. Yeah, that would be a good fit for it. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, just uh, Young Justice Outsiders. I don't know if that's... Anywhere. Does Netflix still have the first two seasons? I did a last time I a while checked, ago. it did. So that would be a good place for it to go. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, that's what we have to wait for here in Australia. Like, where are things going to be made available? Yeah, because I have all of these. Stri- I have Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Stan, which is another streaming platform in Australia, and Foxtel and KO Sports. I have everything. If it's available somewhere, I have I have it. I'm thinking what's going to happen, HBO Max will roll out and they will incorporate DC Universe internationally. They're already airing... When season two of Doom Patrol comes out in the US, HBO Max will have it. Yeah. And then if you look at uh, channels like the CW, what they're doing with the other DC Universe original show, Stargirl, which launches in May. I think it's maybe the following week or the next day. It will first be made available on DC Universe, then the CW. Okay. So they're looking at alternative ways of releasing it. But then there's also, you know, you can go to, you know, Apple TV, you know, iTunes or whatever this there's ways of getting it, but it's it's a lot easier in the US where you just have to go to that one streaming service and all the DC shows and movies are there. Yeah, we're here and uh, the UK and other places, it's getting kind of carved up piecemeal to multiple but it, guys. It's like DIY cable. Yeah. Like with all the streaming services, like you're making your own package. But anyway, we can just carry on and on <laughs> with that. So I think that's that's fair. Like, we both gave it four out of five. It's definitely um, a show to watch. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, good show. Looking forward to season two. Absolutely. 
Well, that's it for our episode all about Harlequin Season 1. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Jay, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.